stationary. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever. Actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple Pencil with it, I have been doing that on there, and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called nanodots. With those nanodots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook, here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper-like and I'm sure it's, it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use. And paper, like, feels good on the iPad. Uh, they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better, this is how you do it. So, to pick up your paper-like, head over to paperlike.com Ajax, click Buy Paper-like, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com Ajax to get started. Oh, hey, everybody. We didn't see you there. It's Chris and Matt, and we're going to catch up. On some comics. I'm trying out new things, Matt. Was that a Daredevil joke? No, it wasn't. I didn't even think about it. I was just trying to think about what would I say to someone that I hadn't seen in a while so because I wanted to catch up. That's where I was coming from. I gotcha. I thought you. I didn't see you there for no. the hero who famously cannot see. I feel like that would have probably been a little rude. That's why I wanted to ask. Yeah, I, I wanted no. to ensure that we weren't being insensitive in any way. We, we could. All, do you want to? Do you want to take it from the top? No, I think we've 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 ensured that we weren't being insensitive in any way. I, you know, if that was a daredevil crack, look, I'm sure Matt Murdock would say, "Oh, I didn't see you there," as yeah. like a way of breaking the ice. It Probably. seems like it does a, seem like it, one of, like a joke you would tell Matt. Um, I okay. 
this is this is an intense sidebar, folks. I need you to come on a journey with us. Right before we started recording, Matt and I were talking about those commercials for uh like like a hundred classic rock uh tracks on one CD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was or like, in, I wish in, I could remember in one great collection. In one great collection. It's eight CDs. It's less than five dollars a CD, everybody. Uh, and I was like, I wish I could remember the one. If I heard one note in it, it would trigger everything. And Matt, when I said take it from the top, you take it on the run, baby. Because that's the way <laughs> you want it, baby. And I don't want you a- all your favorite hits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I, was the one. There are certain parts of certain songs that I will remember forever, even if I've never heard the rest of the song uh my example as i said before we started was the night chicago died anyway good one this is not a podcast about uh all your favorite hits in one cd collection this is the show where we catch up on comics that we may have missed especially recent ones because we don't keep up with recent comic runs like we used to in the past. We're busy people now. So Very true. we uh, were asked to catch up on the Mark Wade Chris Somney. Now, Chris Somney does not draw every issue of this run, but it is most of them. Uh, the 18 issues that they put out of Daredevil uh, from... 2014 to 2015. That is Daredevil Volume 4. It followed... I think it followed the previous Wade run. Yes. Which also had some Chris Somney art in it. But took Daredevil to a new location. He moved to San Francisco. Which I suppose is why there needed to be a new volume. A new old location. That's right. And uh, it preceded the Charles Soule run on the book that uh, that came next. So that sort of places it in time for you. We thought that we had read a lot more of this than we had. Although, Chris, you said that you remembered reading some of these after reading them. Uh, well, not quite. I went into Marvel Unlimited so I could sit down and uh, and do some reading on these guys. And then I saw that I had previously read every single one of them, which is was surprising to me. And I, I remember, obviously, we read the one where Daredevil got his new clothes, because he gets his new outfit. He gets his that he Dare, Daredevil later, three-piece suit. Yeah, which he will later tear off in one piece. <laughs> Which is which? I have a lot of questions about the construction of that suit. <laughs> uh, and I remember reading, I think, the first couple issues, but I had zero. Me- Apparently, I read the the Purple Man story, and I had no memory of reading that at all. It was all new to me. I remembered the original Sin story because I kind of remembered not liking it so much, but. I didn't remember a ton of other issues from this, and we had the bad luck of confusing this with the immediately preceding Mark Wade run. <laughs> there which was also int- that, yes. Which introduced Ikari, which had the fun Doctor Doom story where Daredevil goes to Latveria. That stuff. That's in that Wade run on the book. This is the next one, which again, all takes place in San Francisco. The overarching thrust of these 18 issues is that Daredevil has been disbarred in New York. First of all, his identity is now public knowledge. Everyone knows that Daredevil is Matt Murdock. Because of that, he's been disbarred in New York City, so he can't practice law there anymore, which is one reason for him to be in San Francisco. Also, Foggy Nelson's death has been faked. Because now that everybody knows that Matt is Daredevil, he is worried about the safety of his loved ones, especially Foggy, who is recovering from having treatment for uh, his cancer, which I believe yeah. was revealed in the previous run. 
Uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah. Uh, he is also dating Kirsten McDuffie, his new law partner, who is clearly named as a tribute to Dwayne McDuffie, and mm-hmm. uh, is a very fun character. I really enjoyed her presence throughout this. Also worth noting here, um, and when this won the Comics Catch-Up poll, people said, well, that's definitely not just one story arc. And it is absolutely not. In fact, Chris, I counted seven story arcs throughout these 18 issues. Interesting that you would say that, because I think there is a strong enough narrative through line through the entire thing to consider it one story. I, I think that might be true. We have, however, already ranked the... We have ranked one of the stories, yeah. Original Sin story, which is issues six and seven. Which I will say, better than I think our discussion of it came down. I, I, I think it's exactly as good as we, <laughs> we said it was. Listen, that's fair. You were the one who ranked it earlier because I read it, question mark, and had no memory of it. But I, I do think... In context with everything, it actually comes off as being a little bit better than we gave her credit for. I did not remember that Somni didn't draw the that two-issue story, which I think is one reason it, it doesn't stand as highly as the rest of this does in my memory. Um, not to say that the art in that story is bad by any stretch, but it is... Uh, I forget who does the art on those issues. I'll I'll look it up. Here are the arcs as I see them, though, Chris. Issue one is a standalone story. It introduces Daredevil in San Francisco and is a one-off story about Daredevil being chased by kidnappers as he has the young girl he has saved from those kidnappers, but then he realizes that the girl uh, has been equipped with a bomb. And so he's been tricked, but he figures out the trick. Which I think is a a cool one-off Daredevil story. Not bad. Not a bad one. I think so, yeah. Uh, The second story, second arc, is issues two through four, which introduces the recurring character throughout the run of the Shroud. The sort of dark Daredevil that runs throughout this and I'm not using this terminology on my own. It is a term that is used in the book. Uh, Shroud attempts to commit suicide by supervillain. Yeah. Which is a a pretty fascinating uh, like premise for a daredevil story. Yeah. I'm not sure I love that concept of quote unquote, Suicide by supervillain, but like the way he approaches the owl and uh, the way that whole thing kind of plays out is certainly interesting. Uh, the next story arc, or it's a single issue story, another single issue story. Um, issue five is a flashback to how Foggy's death got faked with the new leapfrog. Then six and seven are the original sin story. Eight through ten is the story with the purple man and his kids that he creates. Eleven through twelve is uh, an arc involving a new stunt master, which has an interesting twist to it. I will say that is my favorite arc of the whole run. I like that one a lot. And then 13 through 18 wraps up the story. And I wrote down my proposed title of that one as The Autobiography of Daredevil. I think that's a good thing to call it. Now, I do think that you make a strong point by saying this is all one story. I do think the two arcs that make it kind of not, or actually the three arcs that make it kind of not, are Original Sin, which I don't think really ties into the larger story at all, The Purple Kids, and The Stuntmaster. 
those all feel like one-off arcs. I, I think that's I, – I think you're right. I think those could be – we could very easily separate those out. However, I do feel like Matt's com- – like the complete story of Matt Murdock having his identity public and living in San Francisco hangs together like through all of those stories. I think the only thing that could be really separated out is the original Sin story – which is fortunate because we've already ranked it, but that takes place in New York. It has nothing to do with the rest of the run. Everything else has a nice narrative through line uh, of like to the point where those dudes in the first issue, that one-off first issue who kidnapped the girl, uh, like they come back in the last arc when the owl's daughter is revealed to have been the one who, who supplied them with their flying they're goblin gliders. Let's be real. She supplied them with their goblin gliders. Yeah. Okay. We can't. Sp- we can split the difference here. I think. I think original sin is an arc. I think purple kids is an arc. I think Sh- uh, stunt master is a separate story. Because that I, that stunt master story doesn't really tie in with anything else all that closely. But we could say the whole rest of the run is one story. So one through five, and then thirteen through eighteen. Those ten issues, we could count all those as one. Okay, so, so, say it one more time. Okay, so one through five, and thirteen through eighteen. That's all one story. Then the okay, yeah yeah. Then the original sin. Purple Kids and Stuntmaster stories are separate arcs. So that that gives us four arcs rather than seven. And it takes those one-off issues, one and five, and puts them in an arc. Which I do think one and five both tie into the way this volume ends pretty pretty definitely. Okay. Yeah, I think I I Agree to that. <laughs> okay. I, I wanted to have the ground rules first. Um, also, I checked. Uh, the original Sin arc is drawn by Javier Rodriguez. Uh, and the art is good. Uh, don't get me wrong. Javier Rodriguez's art on, on that is good. I just, I'm not wild about, like, a story where the reveal is that <sighs> Daredevil's dad hit his mom. And then there's another reveal beyond that where like, oh, I hit him first. No, but but that's not that's not quite what happens in that story though. Okay. She slips on the spaghetti. Right, yeah. Which is which is like a very Looney Tunes punchline to that out of context. But but thinking about that story and also the story that comes later on in the run, uh, uh it's the end of the uh the purple kid story where Matt has depression and like, there's this, this big issue about like what having depression is like and, and like his feelings about it and how he's going to deal with it. And like how his friends deal with him having depression. And I feel like the writing in that arc about depression and the writing in the original sin arc about postpartum depression are both heavy handed but at the same time, I feel I'll, I'll take a heavy-handed but like ultimately informative story about mental illness over a heroes in crisis any day of the week. And it reminded me a lot of like reading Judd Winnick comics when I was like in my twenties, and how I would always kind of roll my eyes because because Winnick would have like multiple comics where characters would be. Uh, revealed to have HIV or AIDS so that he could do like an awareness thing because, you know, his friend Pedro from the real world had died. And I remember being like, oh, th- this, this again. And like, uh, th- th- here we are 15 years later after I rolled my eyes at Green Lantern sidekick uh, talking about uh, living with HIV. And I'm like, yeah, but like, <laughs> like, yeah, okay. 
not like my favorite thing. And I don't think, you know, I am not reevaluating my opinion of Joe Bunnick as a writer, but also like, Oh no, what a tragedy. <laughs> he's, he's, he, this guy's writing to raise awareness of AIDS. What a horrible thing to do, Christopher, in your twenties. Right. And, 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 you know, having experienced, a friend dying of it himself. Like, you you know, that's understandably a cause he cares about very deeply. Very much so. And I I feel like in a lot of ways, the, the original sin story, especially kind of has that resonance where it's not the, the worst thing about it is the Wakanda stuff. Honestly. Yeah. I, I think that that story and, and something that is, I think, an indictment of original sin across the board as an event. It's an interruption to a run that is working, right? Mm-hmm. A run that's that's clicking and that has like a lot of threads it's working through and getting toward resolving. And then it just dumps this thing that has to fit in with the event in the middle of it. And that's part of why I don't like it. And then, you know, making the story about domestic abuse, but then it's something you don't expect it to be, or there's a twist to it in the end. Like that just leaves kind of a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. I will say, I don't think it's Wade's best work by far. I can see why it would be a, a real, like it's a dicey story to tell. And I don't think he's at his best telling it. And also that scene where uh, Matt goes to his father's grave that says, Jack Murdoch, a good man, and he smears a handful of dirt over a good man, is like, okay, all right, yeah. let's let's back this one up just a shade. Yeah. It, it doesn't fit with the rest of the run, and I don't know, I stick by our ranking of it, I think. I don't, I don't personally think it needs to be re-ranked. I think it's exactly where it needs to be. I think the, that's fine. The rest of the run, I think, is good. If if I have one criticism of it, one key criticism of it, and I think this is true of almost every Marvel run of that time period, of the mid-teens, and it's still going on now, but I think to a lesser degree, Marvel seems less inclined to restart a book with a new volume at the drop of a hat. Or at least it feels like creators are getting more long runs. This run, this volume, it's 18 issues. It's like a good chunk of issues. But even then, it feels rushed to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it fe- like, okay, in the last story arc, the Kingpin inevitably becomes a player on the board. And it feels to me like his introduction is sped up, sped up from perhaps what was originally intended. We don't get a lot of build to the Kingpin's appearance. He's just here. And maybe that's what Wade intended from the start, but it really feels to me like all that stuff in that last five issues is kind of really burned through where we introduce this like city-wide surveillance thing that is going through the owl like the owl is being used to generate throughout the city the big reveal of like all Matt Murdock's secrets and then the kingpin leveraging that or Matt Murdock having to go to the kingpin to try to make a deal about that like all of that feels very rushed to me. I don't know if you feel the same way. No, I do. I do. The th- the thing that I will say about this run is that I think it's like it's like very average work for Wade in a lot of places. Somnis art beautiful. Like and I think is kind of the the big selling point of the volume. But as far as scripting goes, it's it's very it's 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 a Mark Wade B B minus I think, which 
is a comics writer A minus, you know? Like everything makes sense, the stories are engaging, it's got some really clever stuff, but he doesn't like connect the dots as well as he does on a lot of his other stuff. It reminds me of like 90s Mark Wade, which isn't a bad thing, but this is a Mark Wade with like 30 years more writing experience who I think has killed it on that first Daredevil arc. Like the the first arc of Happy Matt like was way better than this in scripting terms. And I, I, I feel like that can only maybe kind of be the result of being told from the start that he only has so many issues or being told maybe halfway through that he only has so many issues. And yeah. then what, what year was this? This was 2014, 2015. So was this killed by secret wars? I don't think so. I mean, the the next run is the Charles Soul run. Okay. I don't know if it was killed by Secret Wars or not. Maybe so. But it certainly feels very compressed. It feels like like those dots could have been connected better with more breathing room. Yeah. Yeah, particularly that last story. That last story is a a lot. A lot happens in it. And yeah, again, and it's not bad. <laughs> no, it's it's nowhere near bad. It just feels like it leaves a lot on the table. Yeah, honestly, like the concept of of Daredevil in San Francisco, the concept of Matt Murdock having his identity be out there, his identity as Daredevil be out there, the idea that like Daredevil goes out in a suit now like that lasts a total of what two issues Mm -hmm. before he has to go back to the daredevil costume yeah the suit i in my memory he wore that suit for a while it doesn't last long no that suit's around about as long as like asriel's batman suit (laughs) yeah the relationships that are starting to build in here the idea of foggy Secretly having to recover, you know, like we get one example of Foggy in a disguise coming out to kind of be out in public and meet with Matt and Kirsten before all that gets blown up and the world finds out that Foggy's alive, you know, like it feels like there was more. There were more seeds to plant before those payoffs. Uh, Foggy writing Matt's autobiography, like ghostwriting Matt's autobiography, is such a good, like, that is the kind of thing that should have gone on for a year. Like, and we should have gotten, like, a, listen, if this was 1998, we would have gotten a prestige format autobiography of, of Matt Murdock ghostwritten by Foggy Nelson, like, 48-page graphic novel. Yeah, and it absolutely feels hilarious. like it absolutely feels like that was the intent, right? Cuz yeah. in issue what probably 8 Wade introduces this concept of Kirsten's dad wants Matt to write an autobiography cuz mm-hmm. he thinks it'll be an extremely profitable book. And he's giving him this huge advance for it. And then Matt asks Foggy to ghostwrite it because he doesn't have the attention span to write a book, (laughs) which I think is a great little detail about why he asks Foggy to do that. And then it seems like the book, you know, Foggy writing the book is going to last for a while. And then it just has to be done, you know, 10 issues later, nine issues later. And it def- that definitely feels like something that would have lasted a lot longer had this series not had to have ended at 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird. Like, like I'm, I really do hope Marvelous is moving away from, from that. Um, and I know like, like, and, and this was, was my experience. Like one of the reasons that, uh, X-Men 92, which was a comic that I co-wrote at Marvel, uh, if you were not a listener at the time. Uh, one of the reasons that it, 
ended at 10 was that like we were flat out told we can't we can't tie it into anything we can't do like a a guest appearance to boost sales and we can't really do another number one which are the three things they had to like boost sales on kind of you know books that were losing the war of attrition (laughs) i guess is a, a nicer way for me to put that yeah uh and i feel like you know there's part of me that thinks oh it makes perfect sense for each like each thematic run to start over with a new number one so that people know where to get it. But then you end up with like, we're on daredevil volume 10 now. And I think like casual readers find that very confusing. So yeah, I don't know, man. So I, I'm doing a little research here. Issue 18 of this run of volume four came out in September of 2015. The first issue of the Charles soul run came out in December. So there were two months without a Daredevil book in there. October, November 2015 didn't have a Daredevil book. Okay. I don't know if that's because of Secret Wars. I know that all new, all different Marvel happened in there too. It seems like, it does seem like Marvel is doing less of that now. Like, okay, now we're doing a a new promotion a year and a half later. Where it was, you know, Marvel Now, and all new Marvel Now, and Marvel Now again, and all new, all different Marvel. Um, They're not doing as much of that as they were five years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and I'm hoping stuff like, you know, Squirrel Girl going for 50 issues and, like, the Hickman stuff, which kind of, kind of, sort of, because it was Hawks Fox, and then it relaunched everything. But, like, those have been going for a year, and presumably will keep going. So I hope those stick around with, like, real numbering for a while. Yeah. Uh, the sole run on Daredevil, Volume 5, lasted 28 issues. So it lasted a little longer than this. Is that um, only Daredevil Volume 5? Yeah, like, that was Volume 5. We had this five. discussion when we talked about this last time, didn't we? Yeah. yeah, and then, well, it went back to the old numbering after that. Uh, so Soul stayed on the book for a good little chunk. And Chip's run on the book has been a good long run uh, so far. So, you know, maybe it's some of those habits have broken. And and long runs are can be a thing again. But aside from this feeling very truncated, I did enjoy these sto- stories very much. I I really like the big overarching story. The Purple Kid story is good, although even it seems kind of weirdly short. Like I feel like we should know more about those kids. Yeah, those kids. Like there's no there's like no personality for any of those kids. I I like the idea of like, they all represent a different emotion. And if you're around all of them, it is emotionally crushing for you. (laughs) Like Matt being completely emotionally crushed by being around all those kids at the same time. Very, a a very neat idea. Uh, But I do think those kids are kind of like really underdeveloped. So that's my main criticism of that story arc. The Stuntmaster story, I fucking love. <laughs> I'm really surprised. Like, what was it about that story that got you? I think it's a mix of, like, doing an actual Daredevil story with Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Which I'm a sucker for. And then the twist of, like, the old Stuntmaster coming to Daredevil, trying to get... um help because this new young upstart and the company that bought his name are trying to take his name away from him. And, but then it turns out that he's behind the whole thing and he's just really good at lying so that Matt Murdock couldn't pick up on his lies. I love that twist. It's a twisty whodunit. I love that twist. I love the notion of like, 
like the the new stuntmaster challenges Daredevil to do like a crazy motorcycle trick on the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> I love everything about it. It's it's my favorite. It's my favorite part of this whole run. And I think you nailed why I love it. It's a twisty whodunit. It's a twisty whodunit. Yeah. Like like when I like because for me. I just heard that as, oh, this is like another, you know, clever premise for a Mark Waid story. Because again, I feel like, you know, it has those same problems. We don't really know anything about new Stuntmaster, right? And we're not, I mean, the, the the trick is, the reason we don't is because he doesn't matter. Yeah. He's a, He's he, ends up, he ends up being a pawn in the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's another one of those things where I was like, one more issue of this. Would one more issue of this have made this better by giving it room to breathe, or would it have worn out its welcome? And I don't know in any of these stories if like what would have helped. You know? Yeah, one more issue of the Purple Kids probably would have helped. I think two of the Stuntmaster is just enough. I think too much of that in the some of the seams of the the whodunit would have started to show. Let's look at ranking. We've we've discussed for a good bit. Yeah. Okay. We even reviewed the career of Judd Winnick in this. So. <laughs> yes, we've we've really gone all over the map in our discussion here. Um. So, I do think that the worst part of this is the original sin story. Um. It doesn't fit in with the rest, and. You know, I'm not. I'm just not that big on like the sort of shoehorning in of the domestic violence stuff. Uh, so let me find that's that. Eight hundred twenty-four. That's right pretty now. low. That's pretty low. That's very low. Yeah. I don't think any of the rest of this is going to go that low. Uh, the Stuntmaster story is my favorite, but it's probably not going to rank the highest. <laughs> I think what will probably rank the highest is the kind of like bookend parts. One through five and thirteen through eighteen. I don't know. Like, I think the Stuntmaster story might be the one that kind of hangs together the best because it does. Like, I mean, it's you said that it's uh, an actual Daredevil story with Daredevil, mm-hmm. but it also feels like issues of Daredevil, the comic book. Agreed. You know what I mean? Like, like this feels like a this is a straight up superhero story, like with a clever twist. Like it's it's what Wade is best at, you know. And and I think it d- does a good job of marrying Daredevil the superhero to Matt Murdock the lawyer, even though he's not appearing in court. He's he's taking on a client and investigating something, you know. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. Uh, so, here, here's a question. Uh, our highest-ranked Wade Daredevil story, and it might actually... No, we've got we've got a couple on here. Um, but our highest-ranked one is, is Volume 3, Numbers 24 through 28, which I don't remember what story that is from that original run. Oh, it's Daredevil versus Bullseye. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. So are any of these as good as that? No. 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 All right. So from there we have uh Omega Effect at 596. I think that's more in the in the range cuz Omega Effect again I think Omega Effect is actually like a like holds together really well, but it's also like very much a straight up superhero crossover, right? And then that's the Spider-Man Daredevil Punisher crossover where they're trying to get the Omega Drive, which is a hard drive made out of unstable molecules. You got it. At seven thirty-one, we have "Don't Look Now," but it's Doctor Doom, which is very fun. And you and you thought you thought I was making a bad joke, Matt. I didn't say it was bad. I just said, is that a Daredevil joke? No, it wasn't. This was, and oof. I don't know. I think this is, I think this is in, like, probably around this, like, I think it's between those. I think everything in this run is probably between those. So you think it's all worse than Omega Effect? I like Omega Effect a lot. It's got a hard drive made of unsealed molecules. Sure. 
So you don't think any of this hangs with Omega Effect? Or, I mean, it could hang with it, but it's not better than. Yeah, I mean, like, but look what's like, look what's above Omega Effect. The Transformers vs. G.I. Joe movie adaptation for the movie that doesn't exist. Right. The Empire of Chairs. The Flex Metallo origin story. Is it as good as it, like, Kirby's Black Panther? Is any of it as good as that? Probably not. I mean, you're, you're probably right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so are we saying that Stuntmaster is the is the best story because I, I think, think it Stuntmaster, is. I, I I think I can agree with you on that. Okay, it's it's the one I feel like I would go back and read the most because here's Matt. Here's the thing. I, I hate to say it, but the rest of this run ain't the best Kingpin story. No, it is not. It's not even the best Kingpin story I've read this month. But that is the best Stuntmaster story of all time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. There you go. Okay. How do you think it goes up against at 602 is Flash Dead Heat? Oh, is that what's at 602? Because it is that is not on my list. It is it, it is somehow got replaced with just every story ever June 2020. So it was Flash Flash Dead Heat. <laughs> it's probably I think it's on par with Dead Heat. Like I said, it reminds me a lot of 90s Mark Wade. Dead Heat's not like my favorite uh Wait, is that that heat's a Wade story? It's not a Morrison Miller story, right? You would know better than me. I I don't uh, exactly remember. We would probably like this run a lot more if we were not people who had reviewed eleven hundred comics from memory. Matt. Yeah, you're probably right. Yes, that, that's Savitar. This is this is as good as that. Easy, as good as that. Well, I don't yeah. think it's as good as My Uncle My Enemy, which is right below it. No, that's the shit, actually. <laughs> And I don't think it's as good as the 2019 Peter Cannon Thunderbolt. Hmm. Is it as good as when Buddy met Grant? Probably pretty close. Honestly, probably pretty close. Like, Buddy meeting Grant is, <laughs> you know, a self-indulgent comic. It's a self-indulgent comic. It's also, like, mega revolutionary for its time. But but also, he's wearing them boots. Yeah. Sandman the Doll's House is at 6.08. Matt, would you like to hear a fact about me? Yeah, let's hear a fact. I'll never read that again. Yeah. I think this is... Here's here's the floor. Uh, G.I. Joe Cobra, The Last Laugh. Which is also good. Mm -hmm. But not the best. I think we put it between Uncle Scrooge number 6 and... Sandman the Doll's House. All right. What's do you have a, a title on that? Uh, I'm just going to say Daredevil, Volume Four, uh, eleven through twelve. Stunt parentheses Stuntmaster. All right. So the next best one, I think, is the bookends, one through yeah, five probably. and thirteen through eighteen. Yeah. So, what do you think on that one? Definitely not as good as Stormfight and Cyclops. That's, okay, Probably. that's at 616. It's not as good as Spider Island. It's not as good as Tarnished Angel, either. But it's probably on par with, like, Astro City the Dark Age. I would put it above Alias number 10. Alright, so... I think it's probably better than that Ron Mars Doc Chainer Adventures of Superman story. Okay, so we're going to put it at the new number 620? Yeah. Which, when this got submitted to us as an Every Story Ever list, it was just 13 through 18. But I do think 1 through 5 fit into it as well. Because, like, Shroud, Shroud is all up in this, Chris. Shroud is all up. He's, like, it's weird that Shroud is the primary villain in a Daredevil story that has, like, the owl and the kingpin and the kari like, in it. Yeah, he's, like, the villain, but kind of not. I, I, the way Sherrod is presented in this is interesting, I have to say. The way he's presented, like, sort of kind of as an anti-hero. Mm-hmm. But he's also behind this thing that, like, <laughs> basically ruins <laughs> Matt Murdock again. Yeah. But, but like, also, we don't really get a lot of insight into him. Like, he as a character 
kind of isn't as developed as you want him to be, you know? Yeah. All right. I put in parentheses autobiography of Matt Murdock on that. He's just he's in love with an ex Spider Woman, and it's made him kind of lose his mind. Chris, that's the deal with Up Shroud in here. Up, Up in, in here. here, Purple Kids is probably next. In fact, that's all we have left, right? Yeah, because <laughs> we've already ranked Which, Original Sin. Purple Kids, really good idea, but again, feels like it needs more room. Well, we I really want to know more about those kids. Yeah. Like, I feel I like, it, like there's really something missing from that story, and that is anything about those kids where I can even, like, tell them apart from each other and know anything about their personalities. Yeah. It has two incredibly dope moments, though. In fact, it might have my two favorite, like, moments of the entire run. Uh, one, where the Purple Man, after getting hit by a fucking streetcar... Uh, Actually, like, one of the moments might be Purple Man getting hit by a streetcar. That that part rules. That part is also good. But like Purple Man, like pulling himself up, uh, like with like with his body all fucked up, and telling himself it doesn't hurt. That's pretty fucking good. Yeah, that's pretty good. And uh, Purple Man telling uh, Daredevil to uh, to be afraid, and Daredevil's like, "Oh, fuck that." <laughs> Because yeah. he's Daredevil. He's yeah. the man without fear. Like, Daredevil being, like, feeling depression so intensely that he can't move, but as soon as they try and make him afraid, he's he's out of it. He he has no problem. If we can, I, I feel like that's a great moment. If we could go back to the Stuntmaster story for a second, the whole conceit of the new Stuntmaster trying to use the tagline, the man without fear, and... Kirsten McDuffie being like, aren't you mad about that? He's using your he's using your bit. And Matt Murdock being like, well, I can't exactly trademark it. Like, I can't exactly trademark a superhero tagline. But, you know, it does kind of suck. And then discovering that the old Stuntmaster did it just to goose Matt Murdock the whole time. Mwah. Mwah. The kiss of a chef. I love that. <laughs> I also like the the line in there where he tells Kristen, it's like, I mean, yeah, we can't really copyright it. I mean, you could be the friendly neighborhood Kristen McDuffie if you want. <laughs> yeah. That whole conversation, that whole thing, I love it. All right, back, back to the Purple Kids. It's got good stuff. It's got good stuff. It does have good stuff. I just wish I cared more about the kids yeah. like aside from them being kids who have clearly been traumatized and victimized by the purple man there's no real reason to root for them or to feel anything for them yeah so i, I mean it's not nearly as bad it's not anywhere near the original sin story in the 800s but i think somewhere in the 700s for this is is just fine I would say definitely not as good as X-Men fighting Dracula and Uncanny X-Men number 159. Because that rules, actually. Don't know how it got this low. Yeah, that's at 699. I don't know how it got this low, actually. That's at 699. That's, it's going to go uh, lower than that, undoubtedly. 750 is Superman and Batman Adventures World's Finest. Pretty good. I, pretty not, good. Not as, not as good as you want it to be. Yeah. Uh, 755 is Batman Death in the Maidens. Mm, probably on par with that, at least. Okay. Officer Down is at 757. We got some Amazing Spider-Man stories at 761 and 762. It's definitely better than Panic in the Sky. Definitely better than Panic in the Sky. Again, it has some extremely dope moments. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Death in the Maidens only really has one Extremely dope moment. That's where Martha Wayne slaps Bruce Wayne across the face. Is is good though. Um, Doom Force is at seven fifty six. Doom Force is so mean. <laughs> it's such a mean comic. Are we saying between Batman Death and the Maidens and Doom Force? I think that's a good place for it. Yeah. All right. At the new seven fifty six, 
Daredevil Volume 4, issues 8 through 10, Purple Kids. Purple Kids! I don't have any other lyrics for Purple Kids. (laughs) With that, we've ranked them all. You know, I, I have no regrets of reading this run of Daredevil. I did enjoy reading it. No, they are, they are perfectly fine, like perfectly good comic books. If every comic was this good, we probably would not have a podcast. <laughs> it would be very hard to rank them all. None of these cracks, you know, the top five hundred. Some are in the top half of the list, but none are in the top five hundred. So, like, these are good comics that are five hundred and below. If that tells you anything about the way that this list is constructed. <laughs> mm-hmm. 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 Because there are currently 1,133 stories on the list. And these are all in the bottom-ish half. And they're all pretty good. That tells you anything. Yeah. So that's going to be it for Comics Catch-Up. Uh Make sure to check out uh, War Rocket Pod on Twitter. That's where we post the polls for people to uh, vote on which comics we will be catching up on in future installments of this very thing. Yeah, usually the poll goes up on the first or second of the month, so be sure to keep an eye on War Rocket Pod on Twitter to see those polls, because they only last for 24 hours. Uh, If you like the show also, you can help us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash warrocketajax, where you can kick in as little as a dollar a month to make sure that we do this show monthly, that we do weekly Warrocket Ajax, that we do every story ever, and that we do movie fighters and uh, snack situation as well. Also, if you like uh, this, this show, a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher or wherever it is that you download your podcasts, whatever app it is that you use, that would be a big help for us too. So, If you could do that, that would be great as well. We'll be back soon with another show. A regular episode of War Rocket Ajax, or one of the many other shows that we do. We do a lot. Yeah, if you Uh, only care about us ranking comics, the Every Story Ever special will be out by the end of September, so uh, watch out for that on your feed. Yeah, Uh, but until then, hey everybody, good catching up. (laughs) 